Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast where we have the opportunity to share a conversation that we had with one of our coaches, Barb Patterson, who launched a virtual summit called Beyond Limits in Business. We have a wonderful exploratory dialogue between Jeff, myself, and Barb, exploring mind, consciousness, and thought, and that space behind creation, behind our creativity, and oftentimes seeking the power of slowing down and waiting. Jeff, would you like to share a little bit more about what we talk about with Barb? Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons we wanted to share this on our podcast. One is it's just, it's a topic we love and it's a good conversation about, and a time when we're told to hurry up and strive and push often the answer is to slow down and see what emerges. So that's one reason. A second reason though, we recorded the podcast with Barb in early May of 2020. It's now we're recording this message to you in early June, 2020. And a whole lot has happened since we recorded the conversation with Barb, the murder of George Floyd, the protest to end police brutality, the, I think, incredible awareness and activism around anti-racism, the support of Black people and Indigenous people and people of color, and a lot of things that in May didn't even appear probably on many people's radar screen, but have come into the forefront now. And it's an opportunity to reflect on how we want to be as a country and how we want to be as people. And I think the thing that struck us about All of that in the context of the conversation with Barb is how that opportunity is always there for us. It's always possible for us to look with fresh eyes at how we want to be, at how we've acted, at how we want to treat other people, at the kind of country we want to live in and the world we want to create. But we often don't take that opportunity unless something incredibly wonderful or incredibly shocking happens. So how can we slow down and be present to what is now? Jenna, it reminds me a bit of our conversation a few episodes ago with B. Bacalandro about looking upstream. Yeah, and every time we talk to Barb, we find that we ourselves slow down and it's something that we aim to practice as we share that in our coaching and executive support for other conscious leaders like yourself. So if you're tuning in, we encourage you to listen what we call beyond the form of what's spoken, but where we're coming from. And that is really a place where Barb always helps us to reorient our focus. And that helps us help others reorient the focus to where we're coming from. What is our intent? What is the feeling after we leave a conversation, after we leave it interaction? What is the feeling we want to have in our relationships as we now look to construct and create a more equitable justice system, a more humane, equal way to treat each other as human beings. So our hope is that you'll get a flavor of why we love Barb so much. 
her questions are thoughtful, her wisdom is poignant, and we trust her in her efforts to help us grow so we can also help others like you grow. So tune in. We hope you enjoy the conversation. We'd welcome your feedback. And again, ask that you subscribe and share and tell us what you think. So enjoy. Thanks so much, everyone. Enjoy. Welcome, Jennifer and Jeff. I'm so grateful to have you both here. Thank you for saying yes. And right before we hit record, I was thanking you for being willing to just jump in without any thought. And I think that says so much about who you both are and your spirit. But thank you for participating in the Beyond Limits Virtual Summit. I know people are going to get a lot of value out of your stories and your sharing. So thank you so much. Thank you for asking us. We're thrilled to always be in conversation with you, Barb, on whatever topic. Well, why don't we kick off and you guys share a little bit about who you are and what you're up to? Well, hi, everybody. My name, as Barb said, is Jennifer Mulholland. I'm the, one of the co-leaders of Plenty with Jeff, and I am calling in from my home in beautiful Park City, Utah. My puppy is sitting right next to me and We were just commenting about my views to the front door. So we're living through this new time of incredible just adaptation of home and work and um, really grateful to have the flexibility to do both. We actually have a retreat center called Heart Space that is less than a mile away from my house. So my work days have been looking like half mornings over there recently, and then coming home to help kids with homework and do the lunch check-in. And we are grateful to be here with you. And maybe I'll let Jeff tell you a little bit more about Plenty as we co-lead the firm and, and help conscious leaders make a difference in the world. There's no better time to do that now. And we're walking that path with you all trying to navigate a different world and really manifest it into being in the way that is hopeful, is helpful, is harmonious, and is meaningful. Thank you. Jeff, why don't you take it from there? Hi, everyone, and thanks, Barb. Thanks, Jen. Again, my name is Jeff Shuck, and I co-lead Plenty with Jen. I'm in a little town called Michigan City, Indiana, which is across the lake from Chicago, if you've ever been to Chicago. It's a little kind of a beachy summer community, and so this time of the year, it's usually pretty empty, but right now, we have a lot of people who've been out for the last couple of months hunkering down, and I'm really fortunate to live in a really beautiful place as well. There's a 11-year-old playing Xbox through that door, so from time to time you may hear a little Fortnite being screamed at, but no complaints about this environment, and I'm really glad to be here. So like Jen said, plenty, maybe just to orient people to what we do, we say we help conscious leaders make a difference in the world. And from a practical standpoint, that means we work with a lot of nonprofits and increasingly socially inclined for-profits who are just trying to figure out how to make their business more purposeful and to make their purpose more successful, I guess, from a business standpoint. It's really, really fulfilling work, and it spans everything from helping create social impact strategy to helping create better organizational culture to helping people figure out how they want to be and and where making a difference in the world fits in with making a difference to themselves. So it's incredibly fulfilling and it's probably like everybody listening. It's an industry that's been also incredibly impacted 
by what's happening in the world right now as a lot of our work is on site and we're not traveling. And a lot of times our clients come to Park City to our retreat center and they're not doing that either. So we're in a real time of, I think, reflection and change and contemplation about what we want to be in our next in our next chapter. Thank you both. And I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. And as you know, that's the spirit and intent of this whole summit is that in a way, business throughout the world has been affected. And whether we're in small businesses, have our own businesses, are inside of organizations, everyone's having to kind of relook at the way business is done. And for many businesses like yours, there's been significant impact. So I so appreciate your guys' willingness to share so openly about kind of what you're looking at and what's coming to mind. But before we go there, I think it might just be helpful to hear what was it originally that really struck you or had you realized like, oh, this relationship between state of mind and work is important or meaningful to me or helpful? Maybe I'll start with a comparison to answer that question. As a little girl, I've always been wired as an optimist, I would say, and lean towards seeing the good, being hopeful, being an idealist. It just has been how I've been wired. And recently I've been reflecting for some reason about my grandmother who passed away about eight years ago. And her last word that she spoke that was really hard to make out until she said it several times was attitude. And it stuck with me. And in hindsight, it's like, of course, that was her last word as she transitioned into the afterlife, because that was what her legacy was of teaching me, training me to have an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of positivity. And I think I've been reflecting a lot about that in, I think it definitely relates to the role of mind and this time, because what happened to me over of my lifetime is when I was feeling not positive or feeling lower, I would learn all these ways to get myself back into this attitude of positivity, almost through force, through tricks and tools. And when I was introduced to this understanding of mind and consciousness and thought, it kind of unraveled that learning of how to keep myself into a state of mind of positivity and that pressure to be an optimist. And so I think I'm really reflecting on my relationship to understanding the power of thought and the power of mind in a different way through a different lens. I will always be an optimist. But what took over for me in my, in my, I wouldn't say transformation, but a gift of peace that I found, that aha, that breath came through space. It came through an understanding like, oh, I don't have to try to be anything other than I am. Actually, I'm supported in a way that wisdom is always available to me. The answer is always available. 
and I don't have to trick myself or habit myself or tool myself into a different state of mind because the state of mind is always on. It's always offering. And that for me, several years ago when I was introduced to you, Barb, and introduced to Scott Kelly in understanding the principles, I think that for me helped me loosen my grip of having to perfect the positivity to like get it right and to be that which I had my identity wrapped in. So I'm not sure if I'm answering the question, but in this spirit of attitude, it's an untrying, it's an unlearning of just being more free in accessing that wisdom, that state of mind that's always on. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the way you put it is so eloquent that it really is a falling away of kind of the ideas we think are needed or required. And then as that kind of falls away, we realize we have it already built in this capacity to, you know, be insightful and creative and present and connected you know, and hopeful, all those things are in a way our default. And and I think your experience is a common one, Jennifer, that when people realize they don't have to work so hard at being positive, you know, they just have a different relationship to thought and they experience that natural goodwill and hopefulness. Yeah, I would just echo the trying like I didn't realize I was actually trying and it's just it is me and just allowing myself to bounce back more naturally it takes the pressure off and it's not to say I'm not stressed because I do get stressed and I do try but that grip isn't on me as much as it used Mm -hmm. to be Jeff, how would you answer that question? (laughs) Well I'm laughing because I have to let everyone who's watching know that right before we start recording Barb said, and the last thing she said before we started is, you know, why don't we start with this question of how the, when the understanding first helped you? And Jen was like, of course. And she had that look that she's going to give this elegant answer like she just did. And I was like, um, and then we started recording. So, and that's a little bit, I think, how I feel about it. I mean that in a good way, not a self-deprecating way, that it, it seems such a simple thing once you kind of understand it, that now I don't quite remember how I didn't get it. The specifics of me and the understanding is reconnecting with Jen five years ago and Jen connected me to Barb and doing some reading. And But I think the ground that I found so fertile is the idea that I think many of us who own businesses are seeking to better ourselves. We're like Jen said, we're strivers, we're achievers. We we measure ourselves, we get excited about measuring ourselves. And at a certain point in a certain age, I just started to ask, like, is that actually doing anything for me? Or am I just kind of stressing myself out? And I'm great at it. I'm great at overworking and I'm great at rehashing conversations and I'm great at wishing I had said something else and replaying things. But I just got enough space back to that concept Jen introduced to start to ask, well, did any of that energy actually produce any forward motion? And I think 
I would maybe wrap this little riff up is I was telling Barb and Jen that there's a sign on my door. So my son is through that door, like I said earlier, and there's a sign that says, Hey kids, I'm in a meeting. And I was joking with them before we started recording that a few times over the last month, my kids have actually walked in the room to ask me what's written on the sign. (laughs) And I love that because I think we're often, I was so busy trying to get somewhere that I never stopped to just read the signs. I never stopped to just listen to my own body. I never, it never occurred to me that maybe stress was a sign telling me that I didn't have to work so hard. Instead, I took stress as a sign that like, there's something to figure out that I don't get. And like, we actually can slow down and save ourselves a lot of trouble if we just can give ourselves enough calm to read the signs that are already there. There was a much more concise way to say that, but that's what really opened myself up to a different, maybe different way of being. What if we didn't have to try so hard, I guess? Well, and I think what you're saying is really relatable that we do override. We override the urge to slow down or to rest or as you said, we think stress is telling us to hurry up when it's really telling us to slow down. When we begin to appreciate what you both have started to say is, oh no, in that slower down internal space, we end up rejuvenated, refreshed, and we're more efficient. And, you know, like we can count on that, but it looks like, and I think this is getting blown up in a lot of ways, but that old idea that you know, if you want a lot done, work harder. You know, all of a sudden now, I think there is starting to be a common understanding that, oh no, like in a freer mind, we're way more efficient and productive and creative. Yeah, that whole idea of like less is more, I think we're really, honestly, intellectually, we, we understood that. I will just say like, we got that five, mm-hmm. four, three years ago, but we weren't practicing it. Because I think what happened, especially when COVID really kind of came on mid-March, we were shell-shocked. And I will tell you, we did not slow down. We just sped up. All of a sudden, the first three weeks of shelter in place, without, in hindsight, we can see the frenetic frequency of that time. But we were working way harder. We created a whole Corona care group. We were talking with clients. I mean, the reaction responsiveness was way busier. And now into week seven, it feels like there's a different cadence because it almost is like, well, we can't go back to whatever normal was. That's not sustainable. And that's not really what's going to evolve. But how do we practice giving ourselves more space in the day to do things that actually are quite freaking obvious like go home for lunch and check in on your kids like Mm -hmm. what we were doing that and that sounds selfish and stupid to even say that but no it was much easier to just work through and the kids were at school now they're home and they need presence they need attention or taking that walk around the neighborhood that seems so difficult to take is a necessity And I will tell you, I've never, ever, ever been able to work out in the afternoons now. Like, why not? It was just a false construct of a pressure of a schedule that really didn't make any sense or doesn't make sense now. 
And so flirting with those ways of slowing down to create space. And in that space, we're more productive or we get the insight or get the answer we're looking for. And it seems so obvious, like it's not, that doesn't happen with a full schedule because there's no room for it to come in. That's a tie into one of the core ethos of plenty. And that's the irony of the understanding and the principles of plenty and all of it coming together. In I think in our worldview, that feeling of like, we have to be productive, we have to go, 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 comes from an underlying feeling that we're competing with something. Now, Jen always likes to say that we teach what we need to learn. And so it's no irony that when we started the firm, we picked the name Plenty. And we say that our vision is our name, that our vision is a world of plenty for everyone. And we say, we're not competing with each other. We're competing with the idea that there isn't enough to go around. So scarcity is the enemy, right? And yet we have had to learn that ourselves, that thing that we teach. The more I deepen into the understanding, the more I see that security, right? That feeling of there is enough. I have enough. I have enough ideas. I have enough time. I have enough opportunity. If someone else gets this deal that I don't get, we're taken care of. That's the trust in the divine, right? That is rooted in abundance that allows you to relax instead of that feeling of like, I got to hustle, man, because if I don't get it, someone else is going to get it. And if you win, that means I lost. Well, that way of looking at the world, I think we would argue doesn't work for the world anymore. But it certainly doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for me personally. I just love that. I think that's one other thing that I really loved about this understanding in our work with you, Barb, is, is how it has unlocked something deeper for me about what we're trying to teach our clients, that you've got time, you've got ideas, you've got insight, trust that they're there, and then you don't have to work as hard to get them. And when you stop working as hard, as you both said, the flowers start sprouting all over the place that you didn't see because you were trampling over the ground before. I think what you're both speaking about is it is, it becomes a, it's like new ground. We put our certainty in the idea that there are infinite ideas, right? That possibility is a state of mind. So if it looks dry, we know we're in a state of mind. It's not really dry out there. And that in another state of mind, another moment, we'll have a fresh perspective and an idea come in. And I think when you understand that's the nature of us, that's the nature of our minds, the nature of who we are, you realize like, yes, of course we get disappointed that things don't work out or that we've had to adjust or we can really had all of our hopes and dreams in a certain bid and then it didn't work out like all that, like, yes. But the thing that helps is exactly what you two are just saying to really realize, oh, there's more where that came from. Mm-hmm. There's more where that came from. It's not the end here. In one of the interviews, I was talking to Nicola Bird, whose business over the years of her career has morphed. And she said when she realized she would get really upset about like every idea she had to follow through. But it was when she realized another idea would come that she was able to let it go. (laughs) Yeah, one of the nuggets of wisdom that you've shared with us over the years is this idea of not buying your thinking 
meaning, like I've interpreted that of like questioning it. Like, do I really know that to be true? And it helps me loosen my grip and conviction because Jeff and I kind of talk about sometimes I tend to be quite passionate and convicted sometimes when I believe in something and see that thought and that thought train is running down the mountain and it looks so compelling and convincing and man, do I want to get on that thought train and I can justify why it is so true and right and powerful and then I feed it and then I get stronger and and there's a total positive to that because honestly that is one of my gifts of being able to manifest is through that thought train at times but what I'm seeing in deepening especially during this time is questioning is that thought helpful right now and do I have to act on it in this moment can I let it breathe does it come back over? Is it that little nudging thing of like, oh yeah, those three signs that we always see, okay, third time's a charm, then you don't want to get hit over the head anymore and you do something about it. It's kind of like, okay, or is it a carrot or a dangle or a distraction that is just kind of the seed through which a bigger idea or thought will come after? I don't have the answer here, but I know, I feel like the sweet spot in the state of mind is being open to the multiple knowing thoughts will come, knowing different ideas will come and loosening our grip or our attachment as to which one is right and which one is wrong. And that separation I'm seeing, we're seeing everywhere in the news, in the media, in Republicans and Democrats and what side of the fence you are on. And it's not helpful because it just deepens the trenches. And if we're doing it out there, we've got to be doing it in here, right? Of what's good and bad and right and wrong about ourselves. And I think that's part of what we're on the journey to explore is how can we be enough? Not only we have enough, but I am enough. We are enough in this constant reservoir of different thoughts coming through. Some are helpful, some are hopeful, some are hurtful. And what are we attaching to that's that's true for us? I would love to hear a little bit more and build on that. Like we said at the beginning, I know you guys have both had to adjust. Your business has, like a lot of people out there, your business significantly got impacted right away. And I'm curious, like what's been helpful to you right now? And in adjusting and being agile, what are you seeing right now that's really helpful? I think that's a great follow-up to what Jen was saying. One thing I'd build on both of those things and say, I think we're getting a lot better as leaders of, you know, we have all these tools and we have all these skills and saying patience is actually a skill. Patience is part of the tool set, right? One of many things that have come with living with my family for seven weeks is my kids have gotten involved and interested in all kinds of things they didn't used to be. Like we have a little garden in our kitchen. And here's what I've learned. You know how hard it is to grow celery? Here's what it takes to grow celery. You take old celery, you take the end of the celery, you put it in a dish of water and you wait and that's it. And in like a day, it starts sprouting. <laughs> and you compare that to the, the activity of I'm gonna earn money so I get paid, so I can drive to the store, so I can go shopping, so I can pick out the celery, so I can buy it. Like, it seems so silly, but 
what you have to trade instead of all those actions is being a little bit patient and a little bit trusting that the celery will sprout. Patience doesn't mean lethargy, by the way. Patience doesn't mean doing nothing. It means trusting. And I think that over the last few years, but definitely the last six weeks has been like, okay, patience is a real skill we can practice because we don't know everything that's coming. And now we've learned that we shouldn't assume that we can. It's not an out to not taking action, but it's saying sometimes waiting is a good action. I was telling Jen this morning, I was on a call of 15 regional CEOs. Two weeks ago, everybody was talking about needing to hustle to get their PPP loan. Well, seven of the 15 people this morning were talking about all the hustle they had to do over the last week to return it. Now that the IRS has come out with new rules and they didn't qualify. And so like, I'll stop there, but that's one thing I'm really keying in on is where does patience fit in the tool set? It's an incredibly important strategic tool. What what would you say to that, Jen? Well, I would say just to to build on that and answer your question, our schedule has completely been impacted and that has taken a ton of patience and learning how to be you in different places, the interruptions of kids' needs, family needs, home environment, everybody working from home, noise, not being able to leave the house, then being able to leave the house. So the schedule when you have time, noticing that you cannot be on Zoom calls six hours a day, it's exhausting, especially on video or just holding yourself a certain way. And so it sounds great to be virtually connected. The reality of it isn't feeling great to people now seven weeks and using Zoom all day long, right? So learning what works for you, learning what works for Jeff and I as co-leaders and partners, honestly, I would say developing, again, trying to practice what we're preaching around seeing what is now, like without what we thought it would be, without projecting, but what could we do to really listen to what our clients need now? what we need now and where does that wisdom where does the bubbling up of insight where does the nudge come from practically right now we've been doing interviews with clients and the 30 minute conversation is what are your greatest challenges now what do you need now what's changed for you now it's spawning on different ideas of how we can help but Instead of trying to package up and promote and it's just a totally different world. And so reversing that instead of telling, we're trying to listen. And it also, to your point, is just a spark of a lot of things that we've had on the drawing board around virtual community, virtual courses, creating cohorts of people to connect together, to learn from one another that feels like the match has been lit instead of like stop procrastinating that the time is now to act and it doesn't have to be perfect or you don't have to figure it out just start doing in responsiveness to the need so i would say deep listening changing our schedule trying to really see what is now and know that that may change and it will change likely in the weeks to come yeah as i listen to you both 
I think you're pointing to, like there are certain, when we listen beyond just the reactivity or the, we let go of the way we thought it would be, as you both said, I think that you'll see like, oh, at times patience is required. We realize like clarity comes through us. So we, we get more comfortable waiting it out. But at the same time, there are also things that may come through where it's act now, like you're saying, like, oh, there's a, there's something to respond to and I'm, I'm going to do that. And so you realize like in a way we become more sensitized to the natural rhythm of things versus the way we want it to be or think it should go. Yes. The other thing this has allowed us to do is, you know, there's a tendency I think at least I have a tendency in business and in my personal life to go down a tunnel. Jen calls it being in the tunnel and to not question what you're doing to just try to accumulate more of it. And we, Jen and I both had an insight eight weeks ago of like, well, wait a second, let's not try to get plenty back to where it was. What a great opportunity to ask, what were we doing that now that we have a reset, we don't want to do anymore? And what do we actually want to be? Now, what's amazing to really settle into is you don't need a pandemic or a quarantine to ask those questions, right? And that's really the awakening of like, wow, every day I could wake up and say, what do I want my business to be, my team to be, my family to be, my life to be, my self-image to be? What a massive gift that is. So that started to get exciting, I think, a few weeks ago when it was like, well, let's not worry about scrambling to sell these deals. Let's ask, did we want those deals? For some of them, it was no. So great. What do we actually want to do? And how do we help each other as partners ask that same question every day? What do we want today to be? That's when we're at our best, I think, is that fresh looking at it all new. Yeah, and asking that of who we're serving too, because that's this juicy mix that I think really we thrive off of as well, is like, where is the intersection point about what we love to do? What, as you say, Barb, like what brings us alive? Like where does all of a sudden our vitality is just front and center with no effort? It's just, we're exuding life force. And honestly, like that is the place we want to live in most of the time we're human, so we don't use live in it all the time. So where does that intersect with our customer, our client's place of exuberance, of vitality, of yes, that place of yes, where it's equally mutually exclusive. And I think what's happening, like for example, we had uh, Lantern, our leadership retreat scheduled for this spring, and we weren't clear about whether we needed to cancel it. Like optimistically, we were like, yeah, we're going to totally have it in April. Like we've got 20 amazing people coming in from all over the world to work on themselves and their leadership for four days with us. And we weren't clear. So we asked. And it was really helpful to find the boundary within the people we're serving of what was a yes and what was a no. And it got really clear over a weekend of, nope not safe, doesn't feel good. And then trying to gauge out what the next one did, should we have it? Should we not? And finding where our truth, where our, our yes or no is, and then matching that to 
does that resonate with who we're serving? And I think that's what's exciting about giving ourselves permission to really ask, like, what do we want to do now? What do we love to do? And what is our clients, what do they need that they would have that answer that would be the solution would be the the yes, if you will, right? And somewhere in that meandering and that conversation, that exploration, and most importantly, this space to have that dialogue or that inquiry is where that yes lies. Yeah, I think, again, it's just like you said, Jeff, we don't need a pandemic to, to like be willing to take a pause and a beat and say, is this where I want to be headed? Is this the right thing I want to be doing? But I, I think it's a great opportunity right now. And for a lot of us, because things have gotten shook up, shook, shaken up, whatever the word is, <laughs> you know, we're forced into it. I think it could be a whole new beginning, like again, coming back to it, it could be opportunity versus a downside. You could look at it negatively or positively. I mean, I think what we always observe in the organizations we work with is there's such pain that comes from holding on to the past. And we've probably all experienced that in our personal lives too. And there is a real need just as business leaders and as community leaders to look at what is right now. Because a lot of things are being exposed. A lot of ways that we're working didn't really work, as it turns out. And so there is something that's so much more powerful on offer for us than, as Jen said earlier, moving past the idea that we can get back to normal. Saying to ourselves, we're incredible beings. We don't need to accept normal. We don't need to accept normal in our teams and our businesses and our communities. I do think I see that in some of the groups we're working with is this wanting to hold on so tight to what was. And, you know, you can't loosen someone's grip for them. But I think over time, we'll all find that we'll have to let go of how it was and we can create something fresh. And that can be so exciting if we want it to be, or it could be a rough ride if we decide we're going to grip it tight all the way down. Well, and I just want to say, and then I do think in what you're saying, the heart of one of the implications of where you're both coming from right now is your clients now get to experience you showing up to them in real time and being willing to listen to their needs and what's going on for them. And so when they see you showing up fully not just listening to listen, but like really like, oh no, like let's see, let's listen together and see what's possible. Like I know without a doubt that's having an impact. I hope so. I feel it that it is because I think one thing that's really exciting to me is that for a while I would say Jeff and I have had hard time with in business for example, talking about personal living and professional living as one. The tolerance and the days of having a personal life and a professional life are well long gone and over. Like you are the common denominator. You show up as you in all those places or you don't, or you mask yourself or you put your different wardrobe or clothes on and 
you hold yourself back at work or you don't talk about personal stuff at the boardroom or at the in the business management meeting, whatever, or vice versa. And the this collision of the personal and professional lives has kind of blown that out of the water. And seeing other companies talk about the need to empathize, the need to be more compassionate, the need to check in human to human makes us feel like we don't feel so alone in that, that that's not weird and woo-woo anymore. Like, how can we humanize the care and really listen and help and co-create whatever the new stage or step is going to be, but do it at a more, much more, I think, transparent, vulnerable, real level. And that's what the state of mind, I think, work or understanding has given me more confidence and more courage to be who I am wherever I go. And then therefore we're able to teach and share that and model that with others. And it feels like this crisis point, there is a deeper level of connection that I think we've been collectively yearning for. That's just like, it's almost like we've been this in this drought and that's just wanting to be satiated. And now there are so many acts of kindness that are happening. There are so many extensions of care that you hear about. There's so many people helping. It may not be on the news, but we see it all day long. And that is hopeful. And I think that's what hopefully with the understanding that we have that capability and we're not the only ones who want that way more people want that than what does that future look like if we come together in that type of care. I love that point, Jen. How lucky are we to be leaders at this point because the leadership opportunities are everywhere. (laughs) And particularly, Barb, for the people with whom you work, to be a business leader at a time when people have less trust in government than ever and don't participate in some old ways people participate in community like religion like family like marriage business is the community that so many people look to and business leaders i think are going to we're going to come out of this and say wow those are the people that really shaped how we navigated through this it's business leaders like you and hopefully like me and jen and all the small and large corporate leaders around like how lucky are we to be leaders at this time? Because I just say again, the opportunities for leadership are all around. Pick one. Pick yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that in the spirit of it. And I do think there, again, coming back to there's opportunity in this for each of us at a personal level, but also in our business and then globally and universally to really see how we can lead in the world. And I do think it's like in a very simple way, it's like we can be human and lead. We can see this kind of deeper nature and potential of life and lead. And that conversation is just as important and valuable in business as it is in any part of our lives. So, And I know you both are, that's a part of your mission and what drives you. And I love this conversation as always. And I just want to give you an opportunity before we end. Is there any kind of final thoughts or anything you'd like to say? Just thank you. I would just 
you have had such a wonderful impact on our lives and it feels so good to be reminded of how connected we all are and how we're not alone and really appreciate the opportunity to have such a conscious conversation and excited to learn and hear from your other interviews on the summit of the incredible wisdom that's being exchanged right now. So thank you. Yeah, I would echo that, say thank you. And one of the things that you always do so well, and that I think it's so helpful about the principles and resonant with plenty is the idea that we have everything that we need. How comforting is that when we feel so lost and confused, those are reminders to us to recall what we have inside of us. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at plentyconsulting.com.